Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of of Mind Podcast, podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Just, Just when you think that things can't get worse and that this team can't find any more ways to embarrass themselves um they seem to constantly prove us wrong and uh make things worse than they were before but um anyway what is going on guys it is as always your host neil villapiano and welcome to another edition of the devil's state of mind podcast right here on the hockey podcast network the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. Um, As always, I hope you guys are having a good day, a fantastic day, wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly appreciate it. This podcast and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored by the awesome people at DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure when you sign up for DraftKings to use our promo code THPN. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen. I am recording this uh, on Wednesday, February 2nd, around a little after 8 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, I've tried to give myself a lot of time to reflect and, uh, you know, think about what we just witnessed um, on Monday and Tuesday and uh, what to really expect um, moving forward because, I I feel like that this team is now really, really at a crossroads. I really do. I think that we are at a really, really bad point um, where things are going to either get much worse or at some point this team and this organization is going to take the correct turn to the right and start actually trying to not be a total joke 
when it comes to being on the ice. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and spend a whole lot of time trying to recap the games um, because quite frankly, they're, they're not worthy of, of me explaining in great detail. I'll recap this as best as uh, I think anybody could. First of all, right off the bat, I just want to say that um, my thoughts and prayers are with Lindy Ruff and his family right now because we got word prior to Monday's game that Lindy Ruff would not be coaching either of the games on Monday or Tuesday because he got word that his father had passed away, I believe, at the age of 88. Um, so obviously that is a very, very sad uh, time for Lindy Ruff, and we wish him nothing but love um, and prayers during this very difficult time. And uh, I'm sure that he will probably be back behind the bench when uh, when we get back from the All Star break and we take on, uh, I believe we take on Ottawa in our next um, next game. I believe it's next Monday, if I can remember. But um, but yeah, I just wanted to say that up front um, because you know I'm very. I'm very sensitive to these type of things. And I understand that at the end of the day, those type of things are much bigger than a hockey team, sports in general, things like that. So again, we really do wish Lindy Ruff nothing but the best. Uh, Coach Ruff has obviously gone through some difficult times uh, this year, to say the least, with obviously the way the team has been going, uh, the way the team has been playing. He was on the COVID protocol list for a while. And now, unfortunately, he... Uh, he loses his father um, right in the middle of the season. So that is uh, not to, you know, no pun intended, but that is rough. I mean, it really is uh, a rough situation to go through. So I just wanted to say that up front to know that I am uh, very, very understanding of the situation. And I do um, wish him a, a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, soothing um, feeling right now during this very sensitive time. Um, but I wanted to obviously discuss the two games in the best way that I could. I didn't want to be very much journalistic. I mean, you guys know already that I'm, I, I try not to be journalistic. Um, most of the time I try to speak from the heart, speak as a fan so that, uh, because I feel like I can relate with you guys a lot more that way. And you can relate with me. And we can all kind of agree on a lot of the same things. I know that not everybody will, will always agree with what I have to say, but I do want to express my opinion. You know, I remember back in April of last year, towards the end of the 2021 season, you know, the COVID shortened year, we had that four game stretch in a row where we played four consecutive games against the Rangers and we lost all four in uh, agonizing, and in some cases, embarrassing fashion. <clears throat> and I've said to you guys before that I really did feel like that that was rock bottom for this team and for this organization. I, I really did because I, I just felt like that, you know, there was no way that things could get that much worse. To be embarrassed in many ways by your biggest rival and uh, to be out um, attend attended by, you know, uh, visiting fans is a very tough pill to swallow as somebody who cares so much about this team and cares so much about, you know, being from New Jersey. I take a lot of pride in those things. Um, but now that we just went through those last two games that we just did against Toronto, 
Um, I still don't think we've reached rock bottom. I don't know what rock bottom is. Um, I guess the only way you could say rock, you could say we got to rock bottom is if changes end up happening. Um, but realistically speaking, I don't think that the Devils will make any sort of significant personnel changes, meaning a coaching move or anything like that, until after the season. Because I just, I, I don't think that this team feels that there is any sort of, you know, point to doing that right now. Because the this team is going nowhere fast. We're going to miss out on the playoffs again. Um it's going to be four years in a row that we haven't made the playoffs. And it's also been the ninth time in 10 years that we've missed out on the playoffs, um, which is really hard to believe if you go back to losing game six of the 2012 Stanley Cup finals. I don't think any of us, including myself, felt that this upcoming decade was going to be one of the most difficult decades that any Devils fan would go through. Um, and it's, it's, it's very difficult to put into words how really upset and embarrassed I personally am being a fan of this team and watching them on a game-to-game -game basis. Um, what's, what's really hard to accept is that, especially since uh, Joshua Harris and David Blitzer took over the reins and became the owners of this team, you could clearly tell that those two care way more about the bottom line and building their brand as you can see by the many different professional sports teams that they own and that they've most re recently purchased, um, that they really don't care that much about the, the on-ice performance. Um, because if they did, they wouldn't allow these things to consistently happen where we don't seem to have the right coach in place. We don't seem to have the right general manager in place. We don't seem to have the right players to play the level that we need to play. <clears throat> And that's a really hard thing for me to um, deal with because when I was a kid, and a lot of you who listen to this podcast would agree, um, when we were all growing up, we got very much used to this team being a playoff contender every year and giving themselves an opportunity to try to go and win a Stanley Cup. And Lou Lamorello, in many ways, was one of the biggest reasons that this team became one of the most respected franchises in the National Hockey League because of that track record. And it was quite impressive. It was quite impressive. But once this new ownership group took over, they basically got rid of anybody that was uh, worth anything. They forced Lou Lamorello to um, leave and go and go do and go end up working for Toronto and then later now with the, uh, the New York Islanders. I think in many ways, Ray Shiro um, wasn't in as much control as we thought he was. I think that he was forced to do things that maybe he didn't necessarily want to do. And uh, I think his biggest mistake was bringing in John Hines. And I think that ultimately cost him his job. And that's what I'm fearing about when I look at Tom Fitzgerald. I'm worried about him holding on to Lindy Rupp and his coaching staff too long. And by the time things settle out, um, he will be without a job. And we will once again be looking for a new general manager. But I also do wonder if Tom Fitzgerald actually has a, a lot of power or has the amount of power that we have supposedly been told that he has. <clears throat> it's, um, there's a lot of question marks. There really is a lot of question marks within this organization. Uh, the moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. 
In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York meaning you could bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. So if you want to spend a little bit of money on Joe Burrow, or if you think Matty Stafford will finally get his first Super Bowl ring, you could do that here with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 to get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports bidding partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 or older minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibitive. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877 877-8- Hope and why, or text Hope and why to 467 369. When you look at Saturday's, sorry, not Saturday, when you look at Monday's game, look, you, you and I both know that we fully expected the Devils to lose and probably get beat up pretty badly. However, we have seen in the past this year that when the Devils for whatever reason, when they play some of these good teams, they tend to play a lot better i mean if you remember last saturday not this one but the previous one we blew out carolina at home seven to four and then we had two close losses after getting blown out at home by dallas we had two one goal tough losses to tampa and then carolina so there was a little bit of hope that if the devils were going to lose that maybe it was going to be a close game and the devils came out like a house on fire. They scored three goals up three to one after one period. And they knocked out Jack Campbell, who's been one of the best goaltenders in the NHL this year. I mean, it seemed like everything was clicking. Everything really, really was clicking. And I guess the question at that point was, well, you know, are the devils going to be able to hold on to this? You know, what is the situation going to be? And you could see as this game progressed, you could kind of see how the, the Maple Leafs were starting to turn the page from that first period and getting back to the level that they are capable of playing. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, you looked at it and you thought to yourself, and I made a mistake and I do apologize. It was three to two after one. So it was a five goal first period, but you did realize that there were still 40 minutes left to play. The Devils were able to go up four to two and give themselves a two-goal lead. Andreas Johnson got himself a goal in his return. Nate Bastian continuing to have arguably his best season, got that goal in the second period. But you went into the third, and right away, you could just see that the Devils decided to back off, not be as aggressive as they were in the first two periods, and allowed Toronto to do everything with ease. So Jason Spezza scored 
little more than four minutes into the period. And I got to be very honest with you guys. I knew the Devils were screwed at that point. I knew that they were screwed and that was going to, you know, that they were going to blow this lead. And sure enough, Mitch Marner uh, right in the slot all alone scored to make it four to four. And the Devils lost the game on a shorthanded goal for the second time in three games. Um, Ilya McKay have scored on a shorthanded goal to make it five to four. And then Austin Matthews getting the hat trick uh, scored an empty netter to make it six to four. So not only did the Devils lose, not only did they blow a multiple goal lead in the third period, they ended up losing the game on a shorthanded goal, like I mentioned just a second ago, for the second time in three games. They now have given up, I think, eight or nine shorthanded goals, which is by far the most of any team in the NHL. And they lost the game by multiple goals. They didn't, they couldn't even salvage a point when it was all said and done. And that was really, really embarrassing. And it was, I left that game, watching that game, feeling just so angry and so unbelievably frustrated. I mean, no, none of us can explain it. None of us can really explain at this point um, how this team continues to shoot itself in the foot and do everything wrong. I mean, there isn't much of anything that is happening that's good. I mean, the Devils scoring four goals, that was the most they had scored in over a week. I mean, that's the, you know, they had scored three goals in the combined two games that they had just played between Tampa and Carolina. And they go into, they go into this game, they score, they're up four to two going into the third, and they cough it up. And Akira Schmid was in net. And we were all hoping that Schmid could at least get one win in the NHL this year before it was all said and done. And he gave up some soft goals, and that's going to happen, especially with him being a rookie. But quite frankly, the team, as we've seen in many years past, uh, just straight up just was not defending and not giving, um, giving, you know, not really showing a lot of energy. And you know, what was so upsetting watching the shorthanded goal was that uh, Damon Severson is caught on that two-on-one, and it looks like he's covering Ilya Mikheyev originally to stop the pass, but then he completely leaves him alone because he thinks that um, the, guy, the, the guy in Toronto is going to pass it back into the slot. No, he just easily drops it to Mikheyev, and he knocks it into an empty net. I mean, the thing about a guy like Damon Severson, when he's bad, he's awful. Like, he's really bad. And I don't know how many more games do we have to watch and this organization has to watch to know that the bad of Damon Severson really does outweigh the good because he just doesn't do the job a lot of the time that he's asked to do. He's more likely to shoot the puck into his own net than to do anything else. And that is part of the major problem. But that was just, um, you know, that was that. Uh, So you lose that game. And you go home the next night on Tuesday for the second of a back-to-back against Toronto. And you know going into this that you want to have a better showing, that you want to come out with a sense of urgency, a sense of being pissed off that you blew a multiple goal lead in the third period and lost the game by multiple goals. You wanted to come out and have a better showing, especially in front of a very, very, and I say this with a capital V, very sparse crowd at the Prudential Center. And you could see it. 
how the crowds are getting smaller and smaller by the games because Devils fans, whether it's because of the mandates or because of the performance of the team or both, quite frankly, don't want to be there. And I don't blame them. I very much do not blame them. I don't really have any reason at all for me personally to go. I didn't go to a game last year, even when fans were allowed. And I've been to four games this year and every single one of them, they've gotten blown out. I have not witnessed a win in person at the Prudential Center since late 2018, early 2019. Think about that. For me, I'm pushing three years. That's really difficult. That's really difficult to do. I'm not a season ticket holder. You know, I can't predict when I get tickets to a game that the, you know, the Devils are going to win. I can't. I've tried every single thing in the book and it does not matter. But you go into the next game the very next night and you lost two minutes and 13 seconds into the game. The Devils gave up not one, not two, not three, but four goals in the first period and the game was over. By the way, three of those goals were within, were not even within 10 minutes of this game starting. Spets scored, Austin Matthews got one, and, and David Kemp got the third. And John Gillies was unbelievably awful. I mean, you want to talk about a sieve beyond sieves, that is that. And I understand the expectation is, oh, he he's not you know, an NHL level goaltender. I understand, but you got to stop some of these, man. You really do. And the defense just doesn't help either. And I mean, that's what it was. And the Leafs scored two more in the, in the second period. And you go into the third and you're down six, nothing. And what can you do? There's nothing you could do at that point. The only thing you could do is try to at least score one so that you don't get shut out at home. And the Devils did do that because they ended up getting a goal. Jack Hughes, who's going to the All-Star game and literally one of the only few players on this team that, that shows up every single night, scored a goal. But then a little bit more than two minutes later, Mitch Marner scored his second of the game to immediately answer back. And so the Devils still lost this game by six goals, even though they scored. And it was bad. I heard that people threw things on the ice. A lot of booing was happening. And uh, it was, this was two of the worst games I've seen this team play in, a, in, in, you know, since maybe like last year. I mean, they found two different ways in the span of two nights to embarrass themselves. Embarrassing themselves by having a multiple goal lead in the third period, losing by multiple goals, and then being on home ice the next night against the exact same team and losing by six goals and not scoring until the third period. I hope that there were people that were at that game last night, Devils fans were at that game last night, that left in the first period or after it after the first, because there was no point in any of us being there. I mean, you might as well, if you are Newark, you might as well just say no fans are allowed to go to these games because honestly, there won't be that much of a difference. At least then the players wouldn't have to suffer from hearing all of us boo all the goddamn time. That's what's upsetting to me. That's one of the many things that upsets me. So with both of those losses, the Devils are now 15, 25, and 5. 15 games 
below 500. They are currently three points behind the Flyers for seventh place with the Flyers and Islanders for the sixth and seventh spots in the Metropolitan Division, with the Islanders still having to play something like four to six games in hand. So there is a very likely possibility that the Devils will once again finish at the bottom of the Metropolitan Division. And then you look at the conference. Let's look at the conference. The Devils are currently only three points ahead of Ottawa for 15th out of 16 teams. Unless Montreal goes on a major run of winning games at this point in the season, the Devils at worst are going to finish 15 out of 16 teams in the Eastern Conference. And then when you look at the league standings, when you look at the league as a whole, the Devils are currently at 28th, tied with Buffalo. Buffalo, who is definitely tanking and is not trying to win, right? And obviously has some pieces to move forward, has the same exact winning percentage as this Devils team. The Ottawa Senators are three points behind us, and so is Seattle. There is a very good chance with the way that this has been going, and especially what you just saw over the last two days, that the Devils, at worst, will finish 30th out of 32 teams because Arizona and Montreal have been that bad. But you look at Arizona, they're only nine points behind us. And Arizona beat us already this year. And we probably still have to go to Arizona to play them. So that could be another two points in the loss column. So this brings me back to my whole point. The Devils have a system in place that they've had for a very long time that is not conducive with winning. And that's very obvious. It's very obvious. And you can throw out every single statistic in the book and you could try to find every single small little thing to try to defend the team. But at the end of the day, you got to call it like it is. The organization as a whole sucks. It has sucked and it's going to continue to suck unless the ownership decides that this is no longer um, applicable to them. They're still making money. I've had people on Twitter tell me, well, the team is sucking so bad. Doesn't this affect the bottom line of the ownership? No, it really doesn't because they're still getting money from sponsors. They're still getting money from TV coverage. They're making money hand over fist despite how bad this team is. The only way that it could affect the team is that if sponsors are not really giving money and TV viewership is not that much. I mean, that, that's, that's really what it is. But if us as fans are still watching these games and there are still businesses that want to be sponsored by the Devils, a professional NHL hockey team, and we still have people who go to games, this ownership group is going to continue to make money regardless of whether or not this team wins. I looked it up on Forbes and the Devils are currently the 15th most valuable team in the NHL out of 32 since this ownership group took over. And that really has nothing to do with the team's performance. It has to do with the realities of Joshua Harris and David's, David Blitzer's, um, um, what do they call it, brand, uh, is a lot more valuable because of the amount of major sports franchises they own. They own the Devils. They own the Prudential Center now. They own the Philadelphia 76ers. They own Crystal Palace in the English Premier Soccer League. They own, they just bought Salt Lake 
um, Real Salt Lake, which is a soccer team in Major League Soccer. They bought the Cleveland Guardians. They almost bought the New York Mets. So I want you guys to once again understand that this ownership group is does not care, does not care at all. They don't. Because if they did, you wouldn't get the product that we have right now. And you could try to throw out every excuse in the book as well about, well, we've had injuries. We, we don't have a number one goaltender, this, that, and the other thing. But there are underlying problems that have yet to be addressed. And we've tried to address them in very cheap ways. And the big thing is scoring. We have like maybe two guys on this team that can score a point per game. You have Jack Hughes, who definitely averages a point per game. He's going to the All-Star game. You have Jesper Brad, who is nearly averaging a point per game, who has had not one, not two, but three different opportunities to go to the All-Star game. And every single time, he's gotten screwed. And people want to say, well, you know, that's BS. You know, Brad's been playing so well on a bad team. Stop. That's why. The Devils only have one player going because Jack Hughes is the most marketable player on this team. He's one of the faces of the new generation of USA hockey and is a superstar in the making. Jesper Bratt, to a lot of people, is an unknown. That's unfair, but it is very true. And nobody wants to give the Devils very much credit for anything. And the Devils suck. So the question is, why would they do that? So the All-Star game that you guys should know by now is a popularity contest. It has nothing to do with whether players deserve to get in or not. It's a popularity contest. The only way that Jesper Bratt could get into an all-star game is he would have to be like top five in scoring. He would have to be so damn good and so obviously good that it would be, that would be actually, it would be so painfully obvious that it's rigged if he didn't get in. But this is easy. So Ovechkin gets COVID. He can't go to the All-Star game. So they replace him with uh, another very marketable guy, a guy that a lot of people know in the NHL, Tom Wilson. Just for Brett, statistically, has been a lot better than Tom Wilson. But Tom Wilson is a marketable player. He plays in the Washington Capitals. The Capitals are very good. And you're comparing him to a Devils player that, yeah, is having a great year, but playing on arguably one of the worst, if not the worst team in the NHL as of right now. And I know people say, well, you know, the Devils, they have, what, 12 more points than Montreal, who right now is in last? Who's to say in three weeks this Devils team won't be, 30, won't be in 30th or even 31st out of 32? Who's to say? I don't truly believe that this team could win another game. I mean, what, do, what evidence do we have? Do we really think that they're going to go to Ottawa or Montreal next week after the All-Star break and somehow win? No, none of us think that. None of us, not a single one of us. And, and, you know, that might not be realistic, but I'm trying to be as honest with you guys as I can to understand that this team is a joke. And I'm already seeing that there have been, there were several people at the game on Tuesday that were wearing paper bags. I don't think I've ever experienced that as a Devils fan where people actually came with paper bags. That, ladies and gentlemen, is also how bad it has gotten. It has gotten so bad, and I feel very bad for the people that have to call over the next couple of weeks to get people to renew their season tickets. I feel very bad because a lot of them are going to get un unfairly abused. Um, if I were you guys, 
unless you legitimately, for some random reason, you're going to actually buy season tickets, just ignore the calls. Don't, don't, don't waste your time yelling at these people who are just trying to do their job. Don't just let them, you know, let them deal with the people that want to buy tickets. Don't waste your time. And I feel like that would be more of a message than anything else, because then it would show if you have a bunch of people who were season ticket holders that stop, that will obviously make a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of news to say, oh, wow. So people really are that upset. It's like no shit. Um, but I, I don't know what else to tell you guys. I mean, I feel like over the last couple of weeks, maybe last two, three months, I feel like I've been saying the same thing. You know, this team is, uh, this team is going nowhere fast. Um, we're going to be sellers at the deadline. I mean, I, I don't, I, maybe we'll buy somebody. I don't know. Um, I don't know what, I really wish that Tom Fitzgerald would speak to the media, um, speak to the fans. Because I, I, I feel like a lot, all of us are getting left out to dry. Like we're just being, you know, thrown out there. And I feel bad for some of these players. I look at guys like Nico. I look at guys like Jesper Bratt. I look at a guy like Damon Severson, um, Zaka to an extent, who have been here for a long time. And uh, they've experienced the same thing over and over again. And they've grown accustomed to losing. They've this organization has created a very, very big losing culture. And it's so bad that we are pleading with how well Utica's doing and these young players are doing. We are pleading with them to not bring up any of these kids because the second they come up here, they forget how to play hockey because the system that this team has tried to play with for years, even before Fitzgerald or Ruff came here, just doesn't work. It just does not work. Um, so, yeah, that, that's pretty much what I have to say at this point. I'm very much embarrassed. Uh, there really isn't anything new to talk about except the All-Star game is coming up this weekend. Um, I mean, I would say watch it just to see what Jack Hughes can do. But that's about it. And uh, we'll have a little bit less than a week now until the boys are back uh, when they go up to Canada to play um, – they play Ottawa, they play Montreal, and then they go to St. Louis to play the Blues. Um, those are the next three games. I don't, I don't expect to win any, any of those three, but could be wrong. Um, I would also say this, guys. Stop asking for change because it's, been, it's obvious now that, that change is not coming. And if, it will, and if it does happen, it won't be until the end of the season. Because I think ownership and the organization look at it and say, what is the point of doing it? Um, now as opposed to at the end of the season i guess my only argument is that it would give you more time to look at potential candidates but um at the end of the day it doesn't matter what coach what gm and what players we bring into this organization if the system is just going to continue to be the same thing and players are going to look like they never played hockey before and be embarrassing then it doesn't matter it doesn't matter so that that's really all i got for this one guys um I'm really sorry in a way that I have to be like this and I have to uh, seem so down in the dumps, but it's hard when you don't have a whole lot of positivity to talk about. I haven't even done a Ric Flair woo like I used to do with my podcast in quite some time because this team doesn't really give me the energy to do it. There is no reason to do it. Um, so it's, it's a tough time right now. Um, and the only thing as, as we, uh, 
have here as fans is that um, we could just hope that things at some point take a turn for the better. I don't know when that's going to be. I'm going to be here no matter what. Um, I'm going to still be doing devil's state of mind. Don't you guys worry. Um, but I mean, there isn't really much I can say other than this team is a joke and a half and will continue to be unless systematic changes happen. 